0: Alright folks, welcome back to the Linus Mountain West Wire Football Podcast. Jeremy Moss, hanging out with Matt Kennedy. I'm excited, Matt, at MWR.com because we are doing season previews for 2019. Finally. Finally, we're here. We made it, right? Did we make we're, the we're within
1: a hundred days? We're finally firmly entrenched in Trenton team preview territory. We don't have to keep making things up on the fly.
0: Well, it doesn't mean we will. We won't. <laughs> 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 You know what I mean. Yeah, we're we're getting serious mode to check us out. So we, we'll have all sorts of stuff going on for the offseason now. I guess the actual summer season, which is football season essentially. We are putting up votes on Twitter. So MWCWire on Twitter. You can find out who we um, – we'll put, what, 14 probably, Matt, about every oh, yeah. once a week for you, the fans, to vote through to um, see who you want us to talk about. And this week it's Utah State. And our plan is we may not record these once a week because – we got summer vacations. We got stuff we're gonna do. We may get sick. We have plans to work. The goal is, which will be st- strictly adhered to, Matt. So that's a warning for both of us. Okay. These will go out um, sun- every Sunday night, starting now, May. Uh, oh, the twenty-six. Okay, so we'll start going say on the twenty-sixth of May. So that's the uh, what we're doing here, and every week you'll look for that and have that available, and boom, right? No pressure, right? Zero pressure on us. So we are doing Utah State. So these episodes will be basically zero news. We may do a pop-up podcast here or there if uh, if the, if we uh, something happens, right? We'll do mm-hmm. a media day stuff, so giving you a heads up. So there won't be any news about anything specific, injuries, changes, transfers, anything like that. Um, if there's a big one, like remember a couple years ago, James Butler, 4th of July, transferred to Iowa from Nevada. Mm-hmm. We had to tweak that, but... Since this is the offseason, here's our plan. Top 50, 28, 2019, excuse me, is underway right now. I filled out a few players from my doc already, got going. We'll have top 50 all time, which you're handling with a lot of experts involved who've covered the league from current teams to former teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have some out-of-conference previews, kind of a get-to-know-the-team, some position previews, and why your team can go bowling, and that includes every team, even every team. That's all I'm, I'm going to say, right? Every team
1: even yeah we'll just leave it at that even
0: even your team yeah <laughs> that's what i your team here so we're here utah state you guys voted for it and it'll be a mix won't be all the best teams won't be all the bad teams we put a mix and so this sort will of be a popularity contest but it depends i guess voting is right
1: well we give the people what they want and the aggies faithful spoke up loud and clear
0: they like to say hey when are you going to talk about the aggies hey utah state hey we heard you we're here you guys won the vote this week congrats your week one, and also, I'll say it again, the past couple of years, I think the Utah State preview has been one of our most listened to each year, I think. I appreciate that. So we thank you for that, and if you want to subscribe, if you're at the beginning, because I'll do it now instead of later, Matt. Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, TuneIn, um, basically anywhere you get a podcast, you can find us there, and let's get to it. Utah State, they are the first team, and I guess we should start off last year kind of briefly going over what they did. They went um had what what the best offense in the conference i'll say that that's pretty safe to say under mm-hmm. matt wells which uh new head coach now that's what we knew last year offense was amazing better than anybody thought defense was about what we thought too typical utah state defense went to the new mexico ball right beat mason fine under six thousand quarterbacks to beat north texas mm-hmm. and they finished year 11 and 2 right
1: yeah that sounds about right
0: and now they have a new head coach matt wells has gone to texas tech took um everybody. And Matt, we have good old Gary Anderson back in town.
1: So they have the new old coach.
0: Yeah, the new old coach, which uh, we'll get to if that works out or not. But what's your thoughts on the new coach? Newish coach, I guess.
1: I mean, I think that we've talked about this briefly in past podcasts, but I know that there's been some kind of mixed feelings about it. Um, My own thoughts uh, have changed a little bit. But that's mostly because, you know, we've seen what a familiar face can do for a program with uh with Jeff tedford mm-hmm. and this isn't obviously the same kind of situation um obviously you know tedford was a coach in the power five before coming to president state and turning things around mm-hmm. and it's not like gary anderson is inheriting like a, a broken house or anything like that you know he has a very solid foundation that in the course of one offseason season he's been able to reinforce it not only for this year to remain competitive but to set themselves up to continue succeeding for the next couple of years. So, I know that some people have been kind of lukewarm to the whole thing. I'm optimistic about Utah State going into this year and into 2020 and beyond. Because
0: the coaching staff or what they have? Both. Okay, both, I see. So, for me, I'm in the same boat. You mentioned Old Face's new place like Tedford. He, new, former coach but not former Fresno coach. Yeah. Yeah. So I um, I guess I'll get to this now because I'm reading Bill Connelly's preview to get some more information and stats and all sorts of stuff, which everyone should read. So he did the very beginning. FBS coaches with two stints at the same school. It just doesn't include guys like John Robinson who – did he go back to U- – yeah, he went back to USC, but they brought him UNLV, did nothing. That wasn't very good. Tedford, two different schools. He's the by far the exception. Yeah. So if you look at this list, about half, about what 10 coaches here. I'll run through them really quick. No, actually, the only coaches to do better at stint two than stint one was only you had Mike Riley, which is hard not mm. to do better at Oregon State. Um, and then you had, which is weird, so he doesn't really count, I don't think either, because he was there for one year, left the NFL, did other things that came back forever. But he brought Oregon State to be really good. So his first stint was one year. I don't really, that counts, but not really, if you know what I mean. I see what you mean. It's like he was there one year, which probably was if he is, was he three and eleven or two and eleven, I think, if my math is right, with a three sixty winning percentage. Uh Bill Walsh did, well, he did worse. Um no, he's the only one who did better, I believe, if I'm looking at it correctly. He's the only coach who improved the winning percentage. Oh, sorry. Jim Sweeney at Fresno State. Matt, you should tell me to look up my stuff. Had a slightly <laughs> better winning percentage from 70 same thing though, one year, good year, 76-77. Came back 80-96, went to six uh, 64 to a 66-20 percentage, everybody else went down, and so even even the mighty Bill Snyder decreased slightly, though.
1: I think it kind of depends on how you look at this, because while there were some decreases, to me the more important question is, you know, how respectable were they the second time around? Sure. So, for instance, you know, maybe the best possible comp for this is chris Alt at nevada
0: yep he's who had
1: you know he had three stints there and while in his first extended stint he has he had a win percentage of over 700
0: Mm
1: -hmm. he fell off during the second time around but they were still winning three of every five games the second time around
0: and top 10 team kaepernick you beat boise State. he did quite a good thing nfl guys
1: and you know even though you could say the same thing about Bill Snyder he still had a win percentage over 600 you know John Robinson had a, a win percentage over 600 so i think that you know while the overall trend suggests that it may not be as good as it was the first time around i think there's enough evidence to suggest that there's also a pretty solid floor that you could bet on and while we don't, I don't have the context for, you know, what kind of situation were these coaches walking into, you know, because obviously Kansas state kind of fell apart in the time that Snyder ran, uh, went away. Nevada was okay. hit and miss without Alt, mm-hmm. but he came back and got him back to that top level. And so,
0: well, Oregon state this, was pretty bad too. So even though Mike Riley had the one bad year, they were just a bottom look, look at him now in the PAC 12. There's terrible. He got them to what, a Rose Bowl, I believe at Oregon state, right?
1: Well, let me just put it this way: How many of those coaches inherited potentially the offensive player of the year in their conference and the defensive player of the year in their conference?
0: I'm going mean, to guess and say, uh, John Robinson probably had a good, good roster at USC because but you, it's but USC. You, but you see what I mean? Yeah, right? yeah. No, you're right. I'm just yeah. Kansas so it's State. Not, okay. It's not quite apples to apples. No. And it's so not. I
1: think if you're a Utah State fan, you have every right to be
0: optimistic. You do. I just want to point just point these things out because they are something to look at. Mm-hmm. And okay, so if we also one thing about the coach staff I want to get to, he put some pretty good guys around them. I'd say one of the best hires, what Mike Sanford, former Boise OC, Notre Dame OC. He was at Stanford, I think, running backs coach before he came over. Great recruiter, didn't do great at Western Kentucky. He's still fairly young for college FBS guy, what thirty six, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. He's
0: ever been head coach twice or two years. That's a pretty good hire. He'll he can bring in talent to Utah State and Gary Anderson. He's at Utah last year, and so he will do what he did before, essentially, because he kind of knows the formula to bring guys in from the state of Utah. And he's been gone a couple years. Like, I cover this a bit more for my other job here in Utah. There's more talent in high school guys. Like, Alabama's coming to take guys. LSU is coming to take guys. Stanford, USC, UCLA brings in, tries to come in to get talent from the state. So if he can keep those guys from leaving, there you go. You know what I mean? Mm, so yeah. recruiting is well, and they have great recruiter in Stanford who's been around to – Like all the the way across the country. Not that Utah State's going to go out to do what Mike Bobo is doing to get guys from Florida, Tennessee, and that part of the country. He's been out there in western Kentucky in that area, whereas a bigger net to say, hey, I know those guys out here. They may go to Kentucky. They probably could fit here. They may go to Tennessee or some Chattanooga, the high-level FCS. They can come here and play to Utah State. And so I think that was a pretty good hire to bring in. And then even he brought in Justin Ender from University of Utah, linebacker's coach to be the D.C., Utah linebacker, Chase Hanson's really a good guy with the Saints in NFL right now. Utah always seems to have a good linebacking group. So bring him in. Utah State should have a pretty good inside linebacking group. So I think the hires overall, like you bring in Anderson, great. There is some skepticism, especially how it's more like you and me thought the Fresno State hire, where the process is bad, but the result potential to be really good. And so it was all lined up on Anderson. His assistant seemed to be good. He's bringing in all these guys. Um, isn't Tricky Keaton on staff as a QB coach? I believe doing something. Uh, let me pull that. I up thought he part. was. I I know he's at Oregon State before doing stuff. No, he's not. He's
1: not on the staff. right oh, now. I thought
0: I thought he was. so oh, I apologize. But get him on staff. What's the deal, coach? Come on. I don't know. <laughs> I remember. I thought his name was rumored or something to be in there. But the top guys are good guys he's bringing in. So good, good, good. Excuse me. Good coaches around you, you'll be fine, right? You would
1: think so. It's a good start.
0: It's a good start. And even though he, not even though, I hate starting like that, but at Utah's looking to see what they did year before Anderson and the one year who's there, they improved slightly on like yards per play, total defense, just some of the stuff you look at. A couple of guys in the NFL right now, you can see, but it, it's a fine hire. So, one quick thing about the Bill C. Fish of coaching thing, they mentioned. And he's not really sold on eyes, like it kind of varies. But the average return is two fewer wins per year, second time around. If that's the case, it's maybe like um six wins is what might be expected if that trend continues, which I don't know if it will.
1: Well, if you if you want to take the rosy point of view, you say, Well, they won eleven games last time, you know, two fewer wins is still nine wins, and that's, that's pretty true. good for any team.
0: Sure, yes. And yeah, there's that, and then also kind of I guess overall was like his uh I guess maybe not last year. I think what it was actually that would be great. I think his years per win at Utah State. I think it's referring to like yeah. over like percentage, but still, if they if they have a tougher schedule, they have um they go to Fresno, they go to San Diego State, they have Boise, they go to LSU, BYU is usually a challenging team. So, but you're right, the positive side like Jordan Love, Gerald Bright, David Woodward, Tip is back, Tipa Galea. They have a really good, they have a pretty good team Basic build, build off of this year. See what's
1: what's. What's going to be really interesting to follow throughout the season is, you know, there's some of the things that they were able to do last year that just the law of averages suggests that it's going to be very, very hard to replicate. And if you go back and look at Bill Connolly's statistical profiles from 2018, you know, he has his kind of five factors that, uh, that he uses to measure teams. So their success rate, which is just how efficient you are. They were 11th overall nationally. By explosiveness, they were 14th by average field position on offense, they were fourth, they were third in points per trip inside the 40, and they were 20th in you know turnovers. And, oh, by the way, uh, third nationally in actual turnover margin. So they benefited from a lot of things that are going to be really hard to turn a second time. But like you mentioned, having Jordan Love, having someone like Gerald Wright in the backfield is a pretty good start in that regard. And it's not like you know they're starting from scratch with the guys that are replacing other players like Darwin Thompson and and Tarver either.
0: Mm-hmm. The three the biggest things to look at for me, the biggest concerns I think, I'll, at least I'll touch on here, offensive line, because four of the five starters are gone, wide receiver an issue, like you said, Tarver's not there, Safety, um, there's depth there, but two starters are gone from safety, and so mm-hmm. those are those are the biggest issues. And I guess a complimentary running back to Gerald Bright um, would be helpful, which they will get. We'll get to that later. Those I think are the biggest concerns for me for this team. So, where do we want to start talking about the IEs? um One more quick, th- I get. Well, well, I'll mix in my my things, notes I have, but let's go to um, wait a couple questions. We'll kind of feed them. In. Let's start with offense. Might as well, right? Yeah. So here's what we do offensively. So. They bring, like I mentioned, they lose the biggest loss for them. Like I don't want to be negative, but the offensive line is their biggest, biggest concern by far. Like I said, they had four guys who made all conference, either honorable mention, first or second team. They're gone. They bring back one starter, and to be as efficient as you are offensively, you gotta keep Jordan Love upright. You gotta be able to make holes for big running game, and just do what offensive line does. Like Quinn flicklin has gone; he's with the NFL somewhere. He's with the Bucks, I think, a free agent deal. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, Roman Andrews gone, Rob Gastanda gone, Sean Taylor gone. Oh, did those all five starters? Well, Moroni is – oh, he's – yeah, he lost – uh yeah, Moroni, five starters essentially. Who, or I guess five guys who had double-digit starts. The only guy back would be the left tackle, Alfred Edwards.
1: And he's a pretty good left tackle. Yeah,
0: he'll be really good. <laughs> but I guess we're going to start one step spot. It's got to be him, right? That's a good position to uh have your foundation for
1: and the and the upside is is that you know even though they don't have anybody else with any career starts it's not like they're going into it with guys who have never seen any starting or any playing time period and i think that you look at a guy like ty shaw for instance who saw he saw action in i think five or six games last year you know if he slots in at left guard right next to um (laughs) Edwards. <laughs> right next to edwards you know that's a pretty solid foundation for your offensive line and dimitri Kalifua, i think is expected to step in at center you know he saw playing time last year as well he's a junior mm-hmm. yep. what's going to be really interesting is seeing how the right side of the line uh, possibly shakes out because they have a lot of young guys that might end up on the two deep and as you mentioned, you know, how well that unit coalesces with so many new guys stepping into prominent roles. You know, that could be the difference between games that they might have won last year and games that might cost them this year. But, you know, they've recruited really well. Yeah. So it's not like they're it's not like they're putting, you know, scrubs in there. You know, Carter Shaw, for instance, he's a redshirt freshman, he's six four, three hundred pounds. You know, he might be in line for a role. Jacob South might be in line for a role. Andy Cook might be in line mm. for all, all three of those guys are either sophomore actually all three of those right guys true. are retro freshmen
0: that was part of the question we had like who? what new guys will step in who didn't play those guys right there and then you mentioned true freshmen all four of those guys Hunter Hill Jack Owens Ashton Adams Eric Davis or maybe it's Eric Davis I don't know A- well, how would you say that A-R-I-C would that still be Eric
1: I believe it's Eric
0: okay just making sure it's it's different I'm just saying, all those guys recruiting numbers are as good or better than anybody else on this team essentially they're in the plus 80, 80 what is it, 80% range 80 to 85% range which is better than like South Bulls and Wade Meacham who are redshirt freshmen so yeah. they have talent they brought in also you mentioned a good point how many times did Jordan Love get pulled at halftime or midway third quarter so it just doesn't mention career games played but these guys have played quite a bit at least going to like Usaki and Ha or yeah Saki and Hawk who've played a little bit last year yeah, they, I imagine
1: they saw a lot of time with maybe Henry Columbia under center.
0: That's true, and even but here's the thing though, those two guys, that's great. They played as well. Edwards had some starts, or yeah, of eleven. Excuse me, yeah, a Fua, center had a couple starts games. They only have four guys who've probably played at all. Mm-hmm. That's it's still a concern, even with all these redshirt freshmen. They didn't play last year. True freshmen haven't played. So they'll be starting at least one guy who's never or started. started. Mm-hmm. That's not good.
1: I mean, I don't know. I think that I would give them the benefit of the doubt after the last couple of years that they've had.
0: I would, but I'm pointing that out. If you have injuries, because they were pretty lucky last year to be able to have guys not play because of being up by 20, 30, 40 points in some games. That's my point. When you have, out of all your two deep, only four guys have ever played a snap ever in FBS.
1: Well, here's what, here's what I'll point out with uh, the offensive line in mind. If you go back to January and you look at Bill Connolly's returning production figures, you know, the way that he weights the, the returning production means that offensive line starts, which, granted, they're losing about 120 starts along the offensive line. It's significant, but maybe not as significant as you might think, because when it comes from to you know, season-to-season production, offensive line starts actually matters less than pretty much everything else, receiving yards, passing yards, mm-hmm. and rushing yards in that order. So while it's something that bears watching going into fall and into September, I think there's enough bodies (laughs) on the two deep. And I think that they've done well enough in recruiting the last couple of years that they should feel pretty confident they've got good hands to step up.
0: I would agree. You know, there's a bunch of, like, we don't need to rehash every little thing, but there's a lot of things where players, like the two deep, like I mentioned, they bring great talent, but you haven't played. It's just like it could be a numbers game too. Like, yes, they have all these guys in there, guys never played. What if somebody goes down injury here or there? That's where it can get dicey, which is for any – that's not a Utah State-specific thing. That's for any team, especially at this group of five-level. You're not getting uh, all these four-plus-star guys, three-plus-star guys. If one or two go down, that could be a concern. But I think with what they did last year with how many times these guys played and all these even redshirt freshman guys who are part of this team that saw success, saw playing time can be had – with who's in front of them and leaving. And if the offense is anywhere close to this past year, they'll know they'll get to play.
1: Well, to that end, though, I think that the, the positions they have to fill elsewhere on the offensive line are probably more important to this year's success. Yeah. Because as you mentioned, they do have Gerald Bright coming back, but that second running back spot, whoever that ends up being, whether it's Morian Walker or Enoch Nawahini, we saw how crucial that was, that they could have two guys... With you know complementary skill sets you know Darwin Thompson brought the toughness Gerald Bright brought the speed
0: mm-hmm.
1: and both of those guys were massively productive because of it so you know we know Bright has the speed coming back but do they have a guy in that backfield who can bring the power
0: here who they're gonna have they have a couple transfers coming in yes they have Riley Burt from Utah who is okay he's like a small like well, 6'1", six one two ten, so that's a little bit bigger than Bright that's, that's a good size there but then, no, who I'm really excited about Juco transfer Jalen Warren. National Player of the Year out of Snow College. Had about 1,500 yards, 15 touchdowns in nine games, and caught about 10 passes. Well, there you go. I think he might be the backup running back.
1: Problem solved. We
0: can move on. Well, I'm just saying. <laughs> Brian Thompson didn't play last one. Weren't they both Juco guys? That's absolutely right. I'm just saying. Like, you have him. Like, I was looking around, like, oh, they brought this guy in. But I think there's going to be more depth. It's just a question of what order it's going to be in. Fair point, yeah. Because, because Walker had a handful of carries, not a ton. And he had – that's about it, really. You know what I mean? Like, Nohini, he's never played. He's a – oh, true freshman. Sorry, wrong person I'm looking at. But they'll be fine. And then look at Warren's, like, his recruiting number. He's basically as good as, like, um like Morani Warren Mor, – Mor, Mor, how you say it? Maureen Walker? Is that right? Maureen? Maureen Walker, Which yeah. She's Maureen Walker. She's my... it's it's that time of year, right? <laughs> Which is we're, every getting, we're getting warmed up, right? I'm looking there, I'm like, I, I had it like the name scrolled over halfway. I'm like, wait a minute, that's not right. But I think I think you're right, they have those guys, they have depth. It's the new guys to come and play right away. Like Burt brings the experience because he's played for quite a few years at BYU grad transfer. And Warren's played, he's from Utah, went to East High School, Snow College is in the southern part of the southern part of the state. So there's all obviously a connection because Gary Anderson everybody else in Utah here. But I think they'll be fine. It's just um, can Bright do what um, – I'd say he can't do what Thompson did because they all, they were close on touchdowns, 14 to 10. Yards per carry about the same. It was just the amount of attempts that was really the difference, which wasn't that many either.
1: I think even if they get 80% from from whether it's Warren or Burt or Walker or whoever,
0: mm-hmm.
1: if they can get 80% out of that trio, what they got from Thompson last year. They'll be fine. That, that's still going to make them very dangerous.
0: It's it just goes back to the offensive line. Can they protect them and make holes and do the scheme properly? So yeah, let's go to quarterback really quick because there's not much to say. Jordan Love, um, starting quarterback. Um, going to is it too early to say he's going to be the preseason offensive player of the year? He probably will be. I don't
1: think it's too early to
0: say that. Is there anybody else who would come close to that category preseason wise? Um,
1: I think this is another thing we may have discussed previously before. <laughs> I would I would put Cole McDonald. Okay. In that conversation, even if you wouldn't,
0: I know I would. I would agree.
1: Um, I mean, beyond that, it's hard to say.
0: Colin Hill was hurt last year to play partly, partially, so you can't put him in there. No mm-hmm. Boise quarterback, new Fresno QB, new San Diego State QB, Towatu Nevada running back. He's he might be the highest running back, Juan Washington, perhaps, but he was hurt half the year. So safe today it's going to be Jordan Love.
1: So maybe to make this more of a talking point, what is the ceiling for Jordan Love? This year, because last year he threw for over thirty-five hundred yards, thirty-two touchdowns, six interceptions. You know he had a completion rate of sixty-four percent and a sack rate of two percent.
0: I'll tell so, you this: he's not going to get those same numbers as last year.
1: It, and you think that it has to do with just the turnover and offensive personnel?
0: Turnover, offensive line, receiver, and we'll get to new coach who's not a st- uh, offensive coach, as we know Gary Anderson is not. And you see who they play this year? They like yes, they go. They schedules last year's schedule was paper soft; it was very easy. They go to Wake Forest, who's whatever they'll be fine. ACC team. They they play actually play because last year didn't they miss? Um, I should pull up right now. I have their this year's schedule, but last year looking at who they play, like the West Division is much more difficult. If I'm correct, yeah,
1: last year from the West they played Hawaii, San Jose State, and UNLV. Yeah,
0: now they got Fresno, <laughs> San Diego State, and who's the other one? Um, um, I had it here. Sorry. I'm going, I'm toggling back and forth between 19 and 18. Nevada. Yeah. So that's a step up across the board. Hawaii and Nevada probably comparable, but that's a step up. Aztecs are on the road. Air Force is going to be better on the road at Fresno. They do get Boise at home. They go to LSU. So that's part of it too. Schedule's much more difficult this year than last year. Mm-hmm. However, I can counter that by saying he'll probably play more game time than last year because they're probably not going to be winning by 40 points in a lot of these games or be up. 35 to 0 at halftime. Mm-hmm. So I would just say he won't get there. But it's not necessarily because he's not that good. It's partly because tougher schedule is part of it too. Like okay, would would I think Aggie fans would be fine if he throws thirty one hundred yards, twenty six touchdowns, and eight picks? That's still pretty good. I don't think so. I'm just saying. But also one thing I want to note too, um, so sporting news, or no, excuse me, Athlon, I believe it is. Put Up their top 50 players in the conference in the uh, Mount, not mountain west, that's our thing. The whole FBS Jordan Love is 47, the highest mountain west player on that list. CBS put him in a tier two, their quarterback ranking, or also known as Fringe Heisman. Hopeful, can we start calling Jordan Love a Fringe Heisman? Hopeful,
1: yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, we did the same thing with. Chuck Keaton several so yeah, years ago right. we did the same thing with Derek Carr Actually, look for, I,
0: I need to find a website so I tried to see if Chuck Keever Heisman a thing I think it's got taken down a redirected to Utah State Aggies football or something a couple years ago <laughs>
1: see here's the here's the only reason I might disagree with what? is you know on the one hand you mentioned that he didn't see much action in the fourth quarter of games last year but I think it's worth pointing out that when he did play extensively in the fourth quarter he didn't really have much of a drop off at all you know, he had three touchdowns against one interception of 41 pass attempts, which granted small sample size. But, you know, he was still had a completion rate of 61 percent and he was still averaging, I think, like eight or nine yards per throw in the fourth quarter. Not bad. So even if he is seeing more, you know, playing time and crunch time, I don't I mean, personally, I probably wouldn't bet against him, even despite everything.
0: I would. I just think with the tougher schedule, that'll dip a little bit. And not a lot. Like, if it's just a tiny bit, I just think it'll be a little bit, not a ton. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Like, he's probably, like, I'm doing my, i doing our top 50 players right now. I penciled in Jordan Love number one overall, which may change. I'm looking like, like uh, I don't need to go through who I'm going through right now number one, but I penciled him in. Like, I have about 10 guys filled in, maybe. He's right there at my number one for the time being. Maybe I'll pick an Aztec defender. Maybe I'll pick somebody else. Um, I don't know but uh, or Bo- Curtis Weaver's pretty good at Boise State but right now loves my number one guy in the conference at the moment mm-hmm. and so that's I'm still high and I'm just saying maybe his numbers are exactly the same in 12 games in 12 full games which technically might be actually be less production because it's 12 full games but I think the sack rate's a huge deal as well with the offensive line that could say about 2% that's really good so and if Columbia has to come in for any time I think they're fine as well he saw enough action last year to show enough right Possibly, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> you not sold on that as much as I am.
1: Well, I think the only other thing that might hold him back from reaching, like I don't know, what you would call the 90th percentile, is what I would consider to be the biggest question on the offense: is who is he going to throw to? That's a good question. Because yeah. we know about Savon scarver but how much of, how much of a role is Savon Scarber going to have on offense when he's such a valuable player on special teams? and we know about Jordan Nathan who he does lead the team among returning receivers 28 catches He had a, you know 68% catch rate last year pretty good yeah they are bringing in CAOC Mariner you know from Utah another transfer mm-hmm. but beyond that who like who's going to be in the picture
0: so i think like this is kind of a new maybe I'll we'll make this an article for each team but i think Scarver's going to be a guy to watch wide receiver this year okay because they had other guys do kick and returns like also um here's a specifically from wide receiver coach jason phillips for after spring game i'm like i know it's all you're going to be awesome and exciting and talk about your team but when they say a specific name you kind of pay attention to that so because one question he asked he was kind of giving coach speak for the response but this one he goes they talked about um receivers like jordan nathan Palmer Turner, who did I think is all honorable mention again, like two years ago, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. He was the only guy or one of the three guys who caught a uh, offensive touchdown, I believe it was in this in the spring game. Is that who I have there? But they have a couple of guys. They also mentioned Taylor Compton and then also Devin Tompkins. So he mentioned a couple of guys by name. That's uh, that's a pretty big deal. But C.O.C. Mariner from what he did Utah, it's him. Th- his thirty plus catches is fine. He'll probably be one of the better guys as a grad transfer. But they lose. One hundred what, one hundred and sixty receptions from Tarver, Green, vance Dax Raymond. They lost a lot mm-hmm. of talent. A lot of or and a lot of production.
1: Yeah, and I read that interview too. The impression that I got was that you know, it could go one of two ways. Either the the inside receivers are gonna play a really huge role in how the offense looks in twenty nineteen. Or they're just really going to have to hope that they can find someone on the outside to replicate what Tarver and Green were able to do you last know.
0: year. Let me refresh real quick. Sorry, Sam Lockett was one of the guys that's looking at who caught a TD in a spring game, redshirt freshman. Oh, okay, right.
1: Because I'm I'm thinking like it's great that they have someone like Nathan on the inside, someone mm-hmm. like Scarver. Both of those guys are under six feet, though.
0: Yeah, and <laughs> I think
1: they they probably need at least one big target on the outside. So one guy I'm very interested to see how he performs in ball camp. Is Devin Hextall, you know, because he was another one of those guys who saw a little bit of playing time, you know, even if he wasn't necessarily starting games last year. And he's a big target, you know, he's listed at what six foot five, 200 pounds.
0: That's a wide out, as a wide out, yeah. that's, uh, that's pretty good, right?
1: He's a big target, yeah. <laughs> but well, maybe they... more, but maybe more than that, the one guy that I'm very interested in, in watching more of this fall is Carson Terrell. Why is that? Well, um, and at the risk of angering Aggies fans, Uh-oh. when you look back at Dax Raymond's career, aren't you kind of left wanting?
0: He was hurt a little bit. Um, I'd say a little. Why? Maybe. Sure. Wait, look, I'll
1: go. I'll play along. Sure. sure. <laughs> would you? Would you call it like checking Keaton light?
0: Sure. Yeah, that sounds fair.
1: Because and there's and this is not a knock against Dax Raymond's talents. Like I think that that was always obvious when he was healthy. But you know, you look at Terrell who. You know he's another big target, and he only caught what ten passes last year.
0: Yeah, but yeah, I 15 think fifteen yards a catch though.
1: Yeah, fifteen yards of catch that's exactly what I was going to say. And so I think that he's a guy who, if he can step into the role and replicate or exceed what Raymond was able to do out of the tight end position last year, or at least to kind of duplicate what they were able to do together last year, because Raymond had what twenty seven catches. Terrell had 10 catches so let's say he puts together like I don't know 50 catches for 650 yards and five or six touchdowns 50 for yeah 50 catches
0: okay that's a lot that would be second most on the team compared to last year and
1: that would be huge for this
0: offense that would be to make it make you on the same page we say 50 I'm like that's a lot and so,
1: and that's, you know, that's one of those things where, you know, if I had a sleeper pick for a guy who could show up on the two deep for the all conference list at the end of the year, maybe it's him.
0: Okay. Like, it's, it's and and I think,
1: I think back to that, that Athlon sports four deep you mm-hmm. know, that came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Um, and he's the kind of guy that makes me think, why couldn't they find a fourth tight end? Because they had Jared Rice, Cameron Butler, Marcus Williams, all of whom we'll talk about in the weeks to come.
0: Down the road. Yeah.
1: Or Carson Charles strikes me as the kind of guy who, by when when you look back at an article like this in December, you're going to wonder what they were thinking by leaving him off of
0: it. i sorry, Paul. Say that again. It kind of broke up there.
1: I uh, was just saying. I think that's the kind of it's the kind of guy where when you look back at that article in December or in oh, January gotcha. and you wonder why he was left off of it.
0: Gotcha. Sorry, it's kind of hurt. That's why I thought you said. Like. Wait a minute. Okay, so. Anything else, in the receiver group, we need to discuss? Uh,
1: I think we're all set.
0: I like Scarver a lot. Um, like for him, that really quick for him to have like a huge. Game, he see nine catches, two touchdowns. Get him to twenty, like twenty-five catches would be pretty good, I think. For well, twenty catches might be where he might be at. I'm thinking. That's fair. So, all right. Um. Now let's move on to the specialty of Gary Anderson. As I sound weird talking defense. <laughs> <laughs> So defense is uh, not as much of a concern overall. They bring back what's the, what's the production thing? It's still what sixty percent or something for. Uh, let me if, if I recall that. Vamp,
1: if you want to vamp for a second, I can look yeah. that
0: up. I was going to look at the same time, but it's the least concern of the offense because what Anderson does is defense, and that's why talking about offense was why I was thinking they may take a slight step back production wise and coaching wise because literally everybody on staff left to go to texas tech unfortunately
1: okay so to answer your question they do bring back 63 percent of their returning production on defense which is roughly in the middle of the pack
0: nationally but do all those people nationally have guys like tippa and david woodward coming back probably not is it too early to say i have those two guys in my maybe my top five for top 50 is that too many utah state guys
1: I mean, I would have thrown a spoiler alert out there, but, Oh, no. it's not I mean, that's, so. I I, I could, I could read it.
0: Re- <laughs> tell us pencil. Come on. Oh, that's true. Hey, and it's only my list. We have probably a dozen guys who are going to fill this thing out, and they may not like you just eight guys and put them lower than I do. No, I mean, I
1: think what's, what's exciting about this defense is, you know, I talked about the five factors, you know, and how hard it might be for the offense to replicate it. So I'm just going to throw those same numbers out there for the defense for the sake of the listener you know, by success rate on defense, they were 18th nationally by Good. explosiveness. They were 14th in you know, field position. They were still in the top 50. They were 49th as far as points per trip you know, points per trip by an opponent inside their 40 yard line. They were 11th. And, you know, as, of course the turnover margin, you know, they had 22 interceptions last year and okay. plus 14 overall again. So, I think of those things, the turnovers just by virtue of regression and the mean, is probably going to be the toughest thing to replicate. But when you have so many guys coming back up front, you know, whatever questions exist on the back end may be alleviated a little bit just by virtue of the fact of, I don't know how many three and outs might this front seven be able to force. It's
0: pretty good. The defensive lines there, inside linebacker, big concern, I guess, outside linebacker Mm -hmm. and just because of guys they lost a year before. But like what, you saw what I, I think he was our, or was it Woodward, our mid-season player of the year last season. I forget. People got mad about us because they get mad about everything, just because that's what you do. But you're right. Like outside of replacing a couple linebackers, they and I guess technically safeties, but overall, it's like I guess we'll stick with the D line. Tip is back. Uh, Fua Lulu is back. Devin Anderson, Christopher Unga. They have all these guys who are seniors too. So like, this is where I like the stats. What Bill Connelly does. He has games played. Offensive line is kind of hard to track that. Mm They bring back every – well, let me guess. Let me count here real quick. Um, Transfer does not count. So starting at guard, Kalen Anderson, you have one, two, three, four, five, six. This is exciting. Seven guys who played 10-plus games, technically 11-plus games, and half of those had played every single game last year. Mm -hmm. And they're all upperclassmen, all seniors except for, what, two, and that's it. And they have the depth there to basically do what they want. Yeah, even – replacing, what's his name, Adaway Adoye, it's still, yeah, he's number two tackler, but, and he had four sacks, but other guys were a bit more productive overall for what they did. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, you're right, like, any rushing attack against this team will be very difficult. They will get a pass rush a lot of the times because TFLs, they had, like, what's his name himself, uh, Tipa, as I scroll back, 14 TFLs, 10 half sacks. Yeah. Like, he, him in, um, what's his, oh, two, oh, I can never say his name, the guy from San Diego State, um, ta- uh, are you talking
1: about Kyrie Tezino?
0: Tezino, yeah, I want to say Taliza. Tezino, probably be a defensive player of your front runners, those two guys, and Curtis Weaver. Those three guys are probably the three best defenders mm-hmm. going forward in this conference this year. And we even mentioned David Woodward, who's probably as good and may not, you know what I mean? He's in that conversation as well. Defensive line, I have zero concern with that unit at all. Zero.
1: So, one thing I'm interested in following is, you know, I don't know how much of a discrepancy it actually is or what it what it means 100%, but one of the things I noticed in looking back at what they were able to do last year is by just if you look at yards per carry, for instance, they were fifth in the conference during conference games, 3.7 yards per carry allowed, which is pretty good, right? Yeah. But if you look into the numbers that Bill Connolly throws out there, there's a, kind of a big gap between what he calls stuff rate, which is just the percentage of tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage, and what he calls opportunity rate, which is, you know, um, you know the, the percentage of runs where a runner gets more than five yards. So basically, once the offensive line does their job, how many, how often does a runner
0: do things? Yeah,
1: yeah. And last year, the Utah State defense was 12th in opportunity rate, in 85th in stuff rate so one question I have is with so many linebackers being broken, broken in alongside Woodward, it seems likely that they'll take a step back in that regard. And if that's the case, can the offensive or can the defensive line rather step up and be a little more productive just when it comes to creating TFLs?
0: Yeah, you make a good point there. I think so because linebacker it's Woodward and that's about it really. And I mean, like Kevin Metzemeier is back there who's played a handful of games, nine last year, but, Production was very limited. You're right. Like the defensive line, like the TFLs that they got last year, even outside of Tippa, was he was what the bulk of theirs, what what half of those I believe. <laughs> if you combine yeah. everybody, just about maybe a third. And so they'll need TFLs, and what probably will happen, they'll probably try to and Tippa's a defensive end. They need like Christopher Unga. They got no, nose guard guys who are going to play on top of the center there. Get they need to get that pressure to maybe. Either get to TFL or get back there so quickly where the running game has to, running back in the line has to change direction of the play they want to go. Yeah. So, but you're right, losing all those guys, like if they break past that defensive line and with the inexperience they have coming back or the, yeah, the lack thereof of experience playing time, that number could increase. So, yeah, you got to, you're going you're to rely on the defensive line a bit more. And especially if they get break outside, like Rockamore's gone, you know, Logan Lee's gone, all these guys. So, but then again, look at recruiting, like look at their freshman guys coming back. Or coming in, like true freshmen have like a Christian Lavelle, highest rated recruited guy on the roster for a linebacker. And then second recruited guy, highest rated recruited number is Jason Will- Williamham, number two. Number- mm-hmm. And so they have guys, true freshmen, to probably step up and play because the depth they have coming back, they don't have a lot of guys returning at all. And so they may need to rob, rely on these um, young guys. It seems like, yeah, for sure. Exactly. And that could be a concern when you go to LSU, open up at Wake Forest, go to Fresno, go to San Diego State, where they have. Like all those teams will probably have LSU running game. I'm not sure Wake Forest at the moment what their running situation is, but all the team, all these teams they play, Nevada as well have solid running backs. You play Air Force, same thing. You play, uh, who knows what New Mexico will really come out with with their offense, but Air Force, all these teams they they play have solid running attacks, and that could be their maybe the way teams attack them is running the ball.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's it's kind of a quibble all things considered because when you they they did finish second in the conference in TFLs last year. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, and, and maybe some of those numbers are skewed a little bit just by the fact that they were able to run up such big scores or <laughs> big margins that they, the teams had to abandon the run. Sure, there's, there's that more. too,
0: yeah. Hey, but fine. Yeah. that's fine. Do what you guys So, to, I mean, right? I
1: think there's there's any number of reasons for that. It was just one of those things that kind of jumped out to me as you know, if things are a little more even this time around and, and they're not dropping 50 on everybody left and right, what is the defense going to have to do to make sure it stays at that you know elite level?
0: That's true. But they get Tip and Woodward who had a, almost a third of those TFLs as well. So they need yeah. other players to step up. And that could be fine. Maybe they double them; those guys. They put an extra def- offensive player. Like maybe a tight end does a little chipping or something. Or the offensive line focus on those guys. And somebody else could open up and maybe Tipa has only uh, 10 TFLs, but somebody else comes up with like eight or nine. Yeah. Right? So that could be a thing. I guess the next biggest concern, we'll go to secondary really quick, which, it's only concerned because of starting experience and as the theme of the show for Utah State, they put a lot of backup in, backups in throughout the game because Gage Ferguson and Aaron Wade are gone. They were the starting safeties, and so they lose those two, but they get Cameron Hammer and DJ Williams are both back starting CBs. But if you look at the game played again, they had what? Jeez, how many guys have played 10-plus games? They, six, seven, eight guys played 10-plus games? And half of those were DBs? And so they have the experience out there. It's just they'll be playing more and I think overall I don't want to say always going to be fine but it's probably going to be fine when you're able to have the luxury of playing so many guys last year because how good your offense was yeah and I
1: think that it's going to be the kind of situation where is it going to be the guys who have been around like someone like Shaq Bond for instance Mm -hmm. who steps into one of those safety spots or is it going to be one of the Juco transfers that they brought in where going back to one of our original questions where is Juco where are Juco guys going to fit in Well, it could be at safety because they brought in two three star guys in, you know, Cash Gilliam and Troy Lefegid, who, you know, both of those guys could step in. You know, maybe one of them pairs with someone like Braxton Gunther or Bond. So I think that they have options back there, but that's one thing I'm kind of waiting to see how it unfolds. But again, it's good to have options, especially well regarded ones.
0: Yeah. And then, like, when you look at who they play, really quick, like, we'll get to their schedule prediction shortly, but like, the passing teams they play again. I need to double check Wake Forest here in a minute once we get to them because that's something we need to look into. But Aztecs don't, aren't going to probably be an explosive passing game. CSU will be LSU. Typically they want to run, but they'll have a guy back there who can throw it well enough. Nevada with their I'll call the Airwolf, whatever they're calling it, the pass offense. They want to do that. BYU will try to pass the ball with no wide receivers. So Fresno, we'll see. So looking through who they play, like for it's kind of the opposite. They're facing teams that are going to want to pass the ball a lot are not really on their schedule or as their main thing to do. Mm-hmm. And so they can maybe break into safety here or there. And by the time they play a decent passing game, when they play CSU, they'll have three games in the, in the books yeah, and a, and a bye week as well. But overall, I think it's a, it's not an area of concern because they were the luxury last year was awesome.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think that we might be underselling how good the cornerbacks were last year too.
0: DJ Williams, eleven
1: man. Come on. Look I feel like that. we just kind of threw them out there. Oh, they have this guy, this guy, this guy, but they're all really good. You yeah, know, DJ Williams, Haney, and Jamarcus Ingram.
0: No, they're... like that's
1: an that's an envious trio of cornerbacks right there.
0: That yeah, those guys like past breakups. They had what two, seven, twenty-five combined, I think, if my math's right. About yeah. six, five, six picks. So they get back there, and knock the ball down, and so no, I, I get it. They're all conference caliber players. It's just we're looking – we're just kind of looking at the, hey, where they need to get better at or what's a concern because – but also, like, we should highlight who's good as well because they want to hear their name, right, I think? Yeah, right. yeah. Or make sure we know what we're doing. We're talking about these guys. So I guess special teams really quick. Um, oh, man, you know I always mess up on this because you always like special teams more than me apparently. I think that's what we've discovered. Sacon – Savon Scarver, not Sacon. All-American last year. The only All-American in the mountains conference, I believe, if I'm correct. He will be kick returner. Like I mentioned, Jordan Nathan, he's a good they have a pretty good punt return kicker turn, that's settled. And I guess place kicker as well. When you have um Dominic Ebri Ebrey. Everly. E- yeah. Oh, is that a oh, I must have a thing on my computer I that doesn't I, sorry. 100 percent PATs. Thirteen of sixteen of or no. Sorry, my I'm terrible. He makes everything he kicks, that's all I'm saying. Nine of twelve from forty plus. That's what I'm getting at. Thirteen of sixteen from inside forty. Basically, outside of uh, the guy from Wyoming, he's probably the best kicker in the conference, or right up there.
1: Conversely, though, I'm 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 interested to see how the punting situation shakes out
0: because there's nobody back. It's going to be a new guy.
1: Well, they do have they do have Aaron Dalton still on the roster, but he didn't really see action. He, he last had year.
0: zero action last year. It looks like or at least no kicks officially.
1: And I'm I'm assuming that he's going to be competing for the role throughout fall camp. They do have, I think, three or four guys listed on the roster at punter. Chris Bartolik might be the guy. Jackson Hansen, Jake Walroth. One of those guys is going to need to step up
0: clearly. Or yeah, just go and, and no punt. Just go no punt offense. Come on, could be could go, be. Could go the Gary. Hawaii route or something. I'm right? Okay, fourth and five, we got it. We'll give it to uh somebody. Sorry, Scarver will get on a, on a jet sweep or something. Go deep.
1: But I think that if it does end up being Dalton, and we should probably preface all of this by saying Dalton missed last year due to injury, which is yeah. why he didn't play at all. There you go. That, you know, he, he did improve from 2016 to 2017. He did average about 42 yards a punt as a junior. And so I think that ultimately it would be fine. But when you're when you're in the same unit with guys like Everly and Scarver, you know, find t- tends to get lost in the shuffle a little
0: bit. Exactly. So i think that's all we need to say the special teams is that about right yeah all right so we're gonna take a quick break here not a break though because instead of hearing whatever normal commercial we do i have my own read i'm gonna do and matt's gonna join me who knows a little bit about this right oh yeah oh good keep that keep the optimistic people know what you're talking about podcoin.com we talked about it with me and eliner last show it's pretty cool we had a lot of people sign up i can tell from who to our sh- show from there. So of this um it's just po- podcast i matt i listen eli doesn't listen to many podcasts i think you listen to more than eli what's your favorite one you listen to besides ours obviously
1: uh i listen to a few of the different ringer podcasts
0: okay the movie one i'm assuming uh,
1: definitely the movie one the, the, you know, john- the major League baseball one the nfl one yeah I'm I, I, got a, I have a rotation
0: i'm assuming you've already listened to the john wick three recap they did or whatever Yes, I have. <laughs> of course you have. My little kids about John Wick. I'm like, who the heck is John Wick? I'm like, yeah, oh, that's the movie guy. They know about John Wick's probably that popular for ten year olds. So our podcast, West Wire, is on Podcoin where, Matt, if you listen to all those shows, you can earn gift cards like Target, Starbucks, and Google Play. How cool would that be? Just for listening. I would, that, I would that, say
1: that'd be very cool.
0: Nothing different. So what you do what we have here for you, you go to Podcoin, it's on Android and iOS, put in our code Mountain West, no space, you get what is it, three hundred podcoins. And it takes about I I forget how many exactly, but here's the thing. After I signed up with the bonus, one week I've already earned at least one $2 gift card. Just saying. It's only 2 bucks, but for doing nothing norm- different than I normally do, why not, right?
1: So are you saying overall that if you're like me and you commute at least 35 minutes to and from work every day, that this would be worth your time?
0: Very worth your time because I commute almost an hour each way land a train, and so yes. <laughs> <laughs> you may not be a huge power user like me. Like I listen to lots of stuff like our stuff I listen to the The daily podcast, New York Times to get some news. I listen to the funny, love it or leave it, who's hilarious. I listen to all, all sorts of other podcasts, that's all adorable. Obviously, college football around the NFL, some good ones there. So if you just listen like you normally do, you do have to download their app over at Podcoin, but that's all I do. And find our show, subscribe there, go download the shows and listen and have fun, right?
1: Exactly.
0: Or if you want to be a, a, a better person than me, taking a Google Play gift card, you can actually donate to like pets or donate for like kids toys or blankets and stuff like that as well if you want to be a real nice person
1: or you could do a little bit of both that's what I'm saying. you can't do that you,
0: you can mix it up i'm just saying you're able to help people out or help yourself out and just listen so that's Podcoin there so let's get to the schedule you ready i'm ready like i said before their schedule is much better than last year i would specifically say the road schedule is much better than last year so here's what we got i are actually cause remember last year i kind of scrambled sometimes to put my schedule together Mm -hmm. as people may realize when I'm listening I already have my 12 game schedule and results right here Matt on my handy Google Doc so I'm prepared very nice for I'm proud of you thank you (laughs) learning from the (laughs) best okay so they have Wake Forest and we're not going to do like a huge breakdown of each team because it's early things change we're going to kind of talk about generalities and like oh they're playing an ACC team it's a Friday night game it should be noted Matt this game is on the new ACC network yeah, I did see that. Which I think is going to replace ESPN News possibly on your cable or satellite provider. Or if you do Fubo or Hulu Live or YouTube TV, it'll be there. It probably shouldn't be that hard to find as like, you know, the Pac-12 network. So just saying, got to get a dig out there when you can. So Nipple mm-hmm. Wake Forest. And right now the game is basically a toss-up game. When you look at, it, it's a road game. Or actually, no, excuse me, more than a toss-up. Utah State's favored to win this game by about, by about two points by the good old handy S&P projection future tracker. How do you like this as a home opener for Utah State? Or excuse me, I,
1: I think it's a very good benchmark. I would say it's maybe a little bit better benchmark than Michigan State was last year. Why and I only that? say that because if you don't pay attention to Wake Forest football, and we would have blamed if, you if you're if you're not a degenerate like me. Yeah, I'm not going to blame you. But Wake Forest is actually better than you think. You know, they went they went seven and six last year.
0: Beat Nevada they, easily.
1: They beat NC State on the road. They beat Duke. And first round draft pick Daniel Jones on the road.
0: Top ten draft pick Daniel Jones.
1: <laughs> and they beat Memphis in a bowl game.
0: And Memphis so, is pretty good. They can move the ball.
1: So it's not like they were beaten up on on slouches last year. And they've got some interesting pieces on both sides of the ball that I think could make it more challenging, especially when you consider that you know, in recent years, going back east for Mountain West teams has not been easy. And, you know, I think on, on offense, you start with a quarterback like Sam Hartman, who he was fine as a freshman. You know, he completed about 55 percent of his passes, 16 touchdowns, eight interceptions and as a freshman. That's not bad. And he's got a lot of pieces around him. He's got a thousand yard running back and Cade Carney. And he's got, you know, he's got at least two or three receivers uh, I'm trying to pull up the names right in front of me
0: uh is greg george greg, back Greg george is i don't think he's back no oh, i think he got drafted oh. if i'm not mistaken let me double check here um he is come on internet go faster page air so i don't know Page error. <laughs> great but, but they, overall they, they moved three, the ball well they have
1: three other guys who had plenty of game experience last year so it's gonna be
0: a good it's challenge. Gonna be a tough matchup yeah it's a good challenge open weekend they like i said if it's their safeties are going to be concerned dbs look to be fine but they passed the ball well they ran the ball well they had a good combination of offense on they're like they weren't just one or the other they weren't run heavy Mm -hmm. weren't pass heavy they moved the ball well and yeah you may say oh it's just wake forest but it's not it's not your um older what your whatever you want to say wake forest from eight years ago yes so it's also not the um who's the broncos quarterback who was there um jim cutler bears quarterback right jay cutler not jim cutler Who's now a reality TV star? Show with his wife. It's not that team. I'm just saying. Well, he went. He went to Vanderbilt. He did go to Vanderbilt. Say that crap. They have. Bo- they're both black and gold. Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break about black and gold. As I realize, I'm like, wait, he went to Vanderbilt. So regardless, as I make an error, let's keep track of these errors. There's number what five of this show, I think, maybe six. We'll see. But overall, it's it's a good game. Like it's not as tough as Michigan State last year, even though they almost beat the Spartans. They're pretty close. My prediction: victory for Utah State. I'm doing it
1: I think what it's ultimately going to come down to is how well the offense stacks up against the Wake Forest defense because you know they, they do have most of the pieces coming back on offense but the Demon Deacons do lose a guy like Cameron Glenn who was yeah I believe he was like a third or fourth round draft pick if I'm not mistaken so they're losing a couple of athletes like Utah State on the back end of their defense but I think that we've seen this we've seen this game play out before where you know, we go into it with high expectations for our Mountain West team, and then they, they either come out flat, as as some teams have, or it just it's a close loss or or a close game that becomes a game that gets out of hand in the fourth quarter or something like that. So
0: you're telling me this might be like the Minnesota game last year for Fresno.
1: I'm thinking it might be, yeah, because I'm, while I'm optimistic about this team, I I don't know if I'm ready to say that they're going to come out firing on all cylinders in week one. And if that's the case, I think that Wake Forest is definitely good enough to hold serve at home.
0: They are. So while
1: I'm not, I'm not expecting it to be like Utah State's last trip to Winston
0: Salem, where that game got out of hand pretty quickly. Sorry, right. this is the end of the two for one. I think it was. But for now, I have this one as a loss for Utah State. Oh, see so you hit the Aggies already. Got it. Check mark. <laughs> 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 um, but it, but but these are the games. Like they need this league needs a schedule. Because yeah. One of the questions we had was: Is SOS as good or is think it's as bad as people are saying, or whatever? I think that's the question, what it was. I'll pull it up in a given moment. But you have Wake Forest here. like Just the conference in general, You Fresno's playing UCLA. You mm-hmm. have Nevada with the Northwestern game last year. They played Vanderbilt. You have Boise State playing like Oregon State. They're, you have BYU on the schedule, a bunch of teams. You have uh, Hawaii playing what Arizona, a bunch of Pac-12 teams. But I can't call off the top of my head, but they play multiple Pac-12 teams. You have Air Force. Well, I guess Army and Air Force always plays, but... The schedule overall is getting better. They're not playing too many crap bad teams. They're playing mm. – and they're not also going the other end of playing like – I know Colorado State played Alabama. They played – our Ar- well, not Arkansas, whatever. They got the win. But you get my point. They're not always playing these top-tier teams. They played Florida, who were ranked last year. But they're not doing games most of the time for just because they get that money. I know Colorado State is Texas in a couple of years. Those can happen occasionally, like a one-off, not a big deal. But like Missouri and Wyoming, those are games where these teams need schedule. It's like there's a thing about the playoff where – are they getting down the road to schedule more games? So mm-hmm. but uh they're doing good. But I say win, you say loss, Stony Brook, win, right? Correct? Obviously. That's probably a win, yeah. Stanley state. We'll spend moments on there just because we'll talk about the Aztecs later. It's on the road. This will be it's an early conference game, September twenty first, after a bye game. Obviously, home of CBS Sports Network. This is where you what you mentioned, Matt, the running game will come into play for defensively for what the Aztecs are going to want to do and you just gonna try to stop it. Yeah is that is this the biggest concern maybe for the running game? Possibly?
1: Because we do know that San Diego's deep is is talented and deep at the running back position and if Agnew ends up under center like I think we all expect that he will, you know, he adds an element that Utah State doesn't always see. And then, you know, running quarterback who may not be the most efficient thrower, but he adds a different kind of element to that offense. And I think it's interesting that both of these teams by SP Plus basically <laughs> projects to be a 50 50 game. It's true. Which honest, which honestly sounds about right.
0: It does, even though with Agnew, like you mentioned, yeah, okay, we'll see, assuming he's a starter. I think the biggest thing if, is Washington versus the Rush defense. And then also, I guess they're twofold there's that, but then can Utah State offense push the ball against Aztec defense that we'll get to them later that lose, a, I think, a decent amount of talent? But like as I mentioned, they still have to Zeno and a few other guys, and they're always a good defense. So this one, yeah, man, cause they lose about, and they, no, actually they return more than I thought. They're about two thirds of the defense. I thought it was a little bit less. This is going to be a really close game. What do you have it as?
1: I have it as a Utah state win. I do, but I'm, but I'm not just, confident
0: in it. I'm just ugh, iffy.
1: Cause just for now, I feel like San Diego state's questions on offense, give me a little bit of hesitation.
0: That's true. New offensive line, a little bit. Romer is gone. New quarterback. Is How healthy is Washington? They lost um, the tight end to the NFL. So, All right, now we go to Colorado State. It's at home. It's easy to say a victory. At this point in the year, we're at week five. We'll know what Colin Hill is passing the ball. I'm assuming he'll be more healthy than it was last year. And then we look at the Rams receiver. I think this might be the first game the Auburn receiver is eligible for the Rams as well, if I recall. I think you might be right, yeah. I forget his name as well. Sorry, I apologize. But he transfers in. It's now the basically year 12-month sit-out instead of another full year. So he'll be back there. And they have a pretty good offense receiving-wise, depending on what the running game can do. But here's my thing. Until the Rams defense can show me otherwise, I'm not trusting them to be the team that has a good offense.
1: I mean, I think that's a fair point. I think it's also fair to note, though, that Colorado State should have won – well, almost won this game last year. I don't want to say should have won this game.
0: Yeah, you're right. Uh, but, they were, but they, they were married. a play away from winning that one. They were dominating most of that game. Yeah.
1: And so it it was one of their better overall performances of the season. And I think if they play at that level again, there's no reason why this can't be a, a more competitive game than it looks like right here in late May.
0: Pot, you're thinking, especially Bobo being healthy, because he had all the distractions last year of having been in the hospital. Not that the final game there made a difference, but just their team overall. They yeah. had a lot of just – People like routine, and they didn't really have that routine from like the final week of fall camp for a while. Mm-hmm. And they switch quarterbacks, which Bobo does that. But I think the pass, I think what's going to be the big difference is the Rams passing game and then Utah State's offense against the defense. They can just cruise or the Rams actually show up and step up. But I'm going victory.
1: Yeah, I have this as a Utah State victory as well. <sighs>
0: Dude, I'm sitting at 4 0. They better be ranked if they're 4 0. I
1: think they would be at that point because I, I fully expect them to be at least in the also receiving votes when the preseason starts.
0: I I would expect that as well. All right, then we go to LSU, which probably going to be a loss. It's safe to say, right? Probably, yeah. So how is the win pro- – uh, we'll get to these teams later, but 12% win probability seems quite low.
1: Well, that's a 1-8 in eight chance, right?
0: Essentially, yeah. 1-9, in nine, yeah. Hmm. And it is LSU. Apparently S&P loves at number four
1: s S&P loves the
0: SEC. Yes. Did you also see – Um, it's funny. Alabama, it's like, why is their strength schedule so bad? They're so good because they're the good team. And then CBS did all those conference rankings. And and same with last year, like S P they are 14th in strength of schedule in the conference in SEC. Yeah. It's because they play Citadel. They have SoCon Week and play like crappy teams. It's just kind of funny. They are that good, but come on, challenge yourself occasionally.
1: I think it's because LSU has like a ton on defense coming back. It's probably why.
0: Not just Coach O effect.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they can lose guys like Devin White and, and Grant Delpit and, what, like, five other guys. And, you know, they're one of those few teams that, oh, they're fine but beyond that.
0: Like, here's the thing, about part of the reason. LSU brings back 76% of their talent. Yeah. And so they bring back – and they were they beat uh, UCF in the uh, – what bowl was that game? Whatever New Year's Six Bowl was last year.
1: I believe it was the Sugar Bowl, was Sugar it? Sugar
0: Bowl, huh? yeah. And it was sort of close. There are some calls that made it not as big as a victory as what it was. But they won handily in that game, I think, after the first little bit. But, like, what they always come back like, they always have a good defense. They'll always run the ball well. It's just the depth would probably crush Utah State in this game. And I guess one good thing, weather-wise, because it's humid and it's hot that time in that part of the country, but they play the first week of October. The weather won't be a big issue. I'm going to compare this game to, can they be, like, if if you're going to tell me, can they win this game? I'm going to say they can win this game. I think they have the potential to do so. But I don't think they'll be able to get it done. Because... Even with the great defenders they have and the depth they have on like the secondary and that front seven being very good, I just still I think they'll eventually get worn down. I think offensively they can keep pace with this team. It'll be need to be the offense scoring like score for score three and win this game and the defense to make a stop here or there. Which is weird to say with the Gary Anderson coach team, but that's why I think how to play out. But I still get, I, I can't pick Utah State to win at this point.
1: No, that makes sense.
0: All right. Next up we're we're going almost full conference versus Nevada, which will be fun. October oh wait. Is that the right game, or do I have my schedule mixed up here? Hold on No, you got it right. Oh, I've, I put October 29th. It's so October 19th. Sorry, let me fix my schedule here. This is at home. This will be another game. Like, will the Airwolf take off? We'll know who Ty Ganji is being replaced by. We'll see Talatua. We'll see what they are defensively after losing guys like Malik Reed and a couple transfers. I like this game to be – I think Nevada I, – I might be – maybe this year I should be high in Nevada, Matt, not last year. <laughs> But what do you think about that matter? Like, what's your quick take on this one?
1: I think it's probably going to be an underrated, sneaky, fun offensive game.
0: I agree. 80 total points, maybe?
1: I wouldn't be surprised by that, no.
0: So take the over, I hear you. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Well, again, I think the running game, Taua, Tau, what he can do against this uh, sec- the linebacker group, which is, yeah, we'll see.
1: But I think Utah State's going to have enough on offense to to be able to get a lead early and, and kind of keep, keep the Wolfpack at
0: bay. All right. That makes sense. We'll get to. We'll talk about these later. But let's go to Air Force on the road. I mean, this one I'm tossed up. I'm torn about this game because I Air Force is probably my team this year. I'm taking to do very well, and we'll see if that works or not. Mm-hmm. They bring back like Donald Hammond II. Thirds really good. They bring back like Cole Fagan, and a lot of good running. Another testing against the running attack for Utah State, which not that we're down on, but we lose a couple of guys. It's on the road too, and I, I don't know. I'm leaning to Utah State, but I'm not comfortable with it.
1: No, I mean, I could see that. This was another one of those close
0: calls that they had last year. Past you two recall. years. Remember the game two years ago? Whew, that was crazy. Mm-hmm. So what does S&P have this game at? Is Utah State victory, right, I believe?
1: Uh, yes, they have uh,
0: 69%. Whew, that's kind of a lot, I think. I think it, I think part of the reason it's hard to tell S&P at Air Force because it's it's hard to find a recruiting ranking for them that are reliable. So I think it's probably going to be closer than that. But I got to – I want to. I'm. i like picking Utah State to win every game here. What am I doing? I think they're going to win as well, but oh, I don't know.
1: Well, then should we save ourselves some time? Then, if you think, do you think Utah State's going to win every game down the stretch? I don't know. Well, so here's what they have down the stretch: they have BYU at Fresno State, home versus Wyoming, home versus Boise State, <laughs> at New Mexico.
0: I want you to pick for me. I have one loss that stretch. What do you think I picked? Boise State. No. Really. At Fresno. Really? <laughs> yes, really.
1: Because I had one loss in that stretch, too, but it was at home versus Boise. Because
0: they haven't beaten Boise in a long time. And Boise fans are like, ah, you tell you, John State can beat us. They got nothing. I'm like, well, yeah, true. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's, it's not just that. It's that Boise State still has a sensational defense.
0: Yeah, and by that point, their quarterback situation will be settled and fine and not not worryable or That's not a word worryable, worried about. <laughs> mm-hmm. I pick Fresno on the road because they just. I think they will still have a good defense. They will offense will come around. They have the running back. They have running game that'll be fine. Ray at QB will be okay. I just think a road game's tougher, and the stretch they go through, like look at the stretch: home to Nevada, travel to Air Force, back home to BYU, which we'll see what they could be offensively if they have a good receiving group. But still, rivalry game for Utah State. Then they go on the road to Fresno. It's like home road, home road, home road. Rival game, triple option team, essentially. It's like all these different styles of offenses. And I would say out of that stretch, Fresno's probably that they're going to be really good. So they're going to contend for the West Division. I think we both can say that. But I just think it being a road game and who they played weeks before is going to be a reason why it's t- more tough.
1: I get that. I mean, I think that's another one of those instances where it's ultimately going to be a really close game one way or the other. Yeah. Which, again, looking at S&P+, they have, this, they have Utah State with a 49% chance to win this game.
0: At Fresno, yeah, all those games like the only underdog game, like severe underdog, is only um, at LSU. Mm -hmm. Like Boise State, coin flip. um, We mentioned Fresno, and then Aztec fifty and Wake fifty four. Like there's all swing games in the schedule, so I'm assuming you're saying you had them losing three times this year.
1: I have them at nine and three.
0: How do I have them at ten and two? I'm so optimistic. I'm not, and I, can't be, and I can't be optimistic. In the end, I'll have to be pessimist. and like every team sucks by the time we're down to team 10, 11, and 12 because I'm going off my schedule. <laughs> well,
1: that's why, you, that's why you've got to have a, a spreadsheet like I do. I do.
0: I'm just saying. No, I'm I just mean, oh, okay. not just keeping track. I'm like, here's really quick what I'll say. I think their ceiling is 10 and 2 because of what they've come back. But I think the floor might be like 7 and 5. Like they could lose the Wake Forest. They can lose the San Diego State. They could lose to Nevada. They could lose to Air Force. Like, there's a lot of games. Like, look how close it is. Like, they could... Like, there's like six six to eight games that are losable games. Like, there's no... Like, even with the other end of the spectrum. um, Yeah, they're 91% for CSU. Don't really buy that too much. But Nevada seems a bit high at 76. A lot of 60 percentile games in there as well. Like, the 40 to 60, which I would consider toss-up. Yeah. They have, what, one, two, three, four, five... Half their games are basically toss-up. So, like... They're, if they're gonna have a bad season it might just be seven and five
1: no i mean i think that's fair and i think when you look back at some of the close games that they had last year you know they they had those close calls against air Force and cSU and cSU you know and then of course they had the close call in the opener against Michigan state um but they had to claw to beat wyoming yeah you know they had the close loss against Boise State which granted nine points isn't the definition of a close loss but it was close enough
0: yeah, it was that fourth quarter with Madison running up. So the-
1: it, it's one of those things where if one or two of those games that they were able to scrape out goes the other way, and they get a little bit unlucky again. Like-